What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I am your host, Matthew Anderson. Another great episode. Today definitely is going to be one of those episodes where we hit the main topics. You might be like, Matt, there was a lot of games this week. Ah, we, we hit the big dogs. Big dogs is what matters and the key storylines. That's what the bio says. And never make the post every week. That's what we're going to stick to the bio. We got my guy Thomas Hemingway back on, sports analyst, repeat guy. If this was Vlad TV, he's boosting. Uh, Thomas, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> Hey, I'm good, man. I'm good. My, my Vikings five and one. I ain't had to watch no, no Gamecock football this weekend. I'm feeling good. Life is good. Life is good. And that's definitely going to be the outro for the music. Without further ado, welcome to the Sports House. Open up the champagne. Pop. It's my house. Come on. Turn it up. Uh. Hear a knock on the door and the night begins. Because we've done this before. Hey, Thomas, so might as well go ahead and get into it. Like I was just telling the, the listeners, this is, this is about the big dogs this weekend. And we knew that one in uh, Vol Nation and Rocky Top, everyone to call it. We knew that was going to be a big one this week, college game day there, had Peyton Manning on the set. And before we even get talking about the game, college game day, ESPN has made a lot of really good moves, really bad moves, et cetera. Getting Pat McAfee on that show, has been excellent because, you know, he already has a major audience on his own. Bringing him yeah. to the show, as we see Corso's getting a little bit older, it's Man. like trying to rejuvenize it in a modern day because, you know, you see a lot of Pat McAfee clips on, like, Twitter and a lot of people yeah. love him because, like, not his memes, but things like that. So I thought that's been a great uh, – that was a great addition to him. And it was funny because Pat McAfee and ESPN had a lot of – like they were, they were having a lot of beef at one point. They were yeah. saying you worked for ESPN. You could not go on the Pat McAfee show. Damn, oh, I know that. Yeah, it was it was they had some really hard, like he even explained it when he announced that he was going there. But yeah, at one point, uh, and it was funny too, because he had been on college game there a couple of times. He like jumped into some water and yeah. stuff like that. So it, it's been great to watch. Have you been the grew up talk speaking man Thomas grew up watching college game? Do you still watch it like you used to, or how are you into uh, it? I can't necessarily. I can't say I. I can't say I watch it as much as I used to. I mean, how can I bring it? Like it's still every Saturday morning, college game day is on my TV. But like, I guess you a little less attentive now that like you kind of got you know got to form your own thoughts and opinions and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think yeah, I definitely still watch it just because it's like, I mean, I don't want to call it nostalgia. Like I mean, because it's still on TV. But like you said, we that's something we've been watching since we was kids. Um. So, yeah, it's just been, you know, more interesting to see, like, how the shows, you know, evolved and developed over the years. And that's a good point you made. I never thought about it like that. That's, like, a perfect, you know, like, like segue going from, um, you know, Corso to a guy like Pat McAfee. Because I was about to say, like, he is, you know, kind of like that energy guy for the show. Um, being that I think, you know, he's definitely the youngest out of the bunch. But, yeah, he, yeah, it's, it's definitely something I, I still, you know, watch every Saturday morning for them games for sure. Yeah, they had the guy on whenever it was at uh, Appalachian State. They had a country singer on. I'm trying to think of the name. Uh, you remember his name? Uh, I don't know his name, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I watched him. State college game day. I got to think of his name because Cat McAfee had this clip of this thing, and it was hilarious. 
uh, App State College Football guest. We'll say game day, y'all. This is live. We are we. I just <laughs> thought about this. Oh, uh, what was the guy's name? It's gonna hurt me. If I can't think of it. Luke Combs. Luke Combs. Yeah. Luke Combs. And so Pat McAfee out of nowhere just starts. Ice cold, long man, they broke. I'm like, <laughs> and I had no idea. I think most of the black audience was like, "What is going on here?" Yeah. Apparently, that's like one of Luke Palm's big songs. But like I said, he just brings like, okay, so Corso gonna say something wild that might he might have to apologize after, right. uh, <laughs> after the game. Uh, but uh, but Pat McAfee, he's just gonna he's just gonna bring the energy. Uh, everybody, since we mentioned him so much, make sure you go check out his show. And it, think it live. It, they make big money on that show. I yeah, saw for sure. yeah, they, they signed that. Yeah, they signed that big contract deal a couple months ago. Yes, they got that mega deal, and sometimes, like I said, the clips you can catch a lot of times on different social media platforms. I think they live stream it on YouTube, like everybody else. Yeah, does. but yeah, yeah. So back to this game. I think Peyton Manning was a special guest for this one, so I didn't exactly get Inky Johnson, but I knew he was going to be in the building. Um, okay, starting off game to involve Nation in Rocky Top, Alabama comes to town. What were your expectations? Um, my expectations, man, Matt, I mean, to be real with you, I, the game lived up to all my expectations, honestly. Um, I maybe didn't think it was going to be as much of a shootout as it was. Um, you know, in the, in the show last week, we all said, you know, it's, it's the game is going to kind of, uh, or, or how the game goes is kind of going to be, you know, decide on if Bryce Young plays or not, um, or not. so, um, you know, once I saw he was playing, you know, I pretty much knew, you know, it was going to be that kind of game. Uh, like I said, I, I wasn't expecting 50, you know, 52 48 or whatever the final score was. I wasn't expecting that high of a game. But um, I mean, yeah, uh, Tennessee got that high powered offense. Um, Bama has, you know, the potential to be a high powered offense if, you know, some of those players, you know, come in the form a little more. Um, but I mean, we, we predicted them to get the win, or I know I did. I can't remember who you picked, but I predicted them to get the win. So I mean, uh, it went, uh, yeah, pretty much exactly how I thought, honestly. Um, now, I didn't see Tennessee, you know, they jumped out on them at the beginning. I didn't see them, you know, kind of giving up that lead um, and letting Bama walk them down like they did. I mean, I knew Bama just wasn't going to lay down for them. But, I mean, Bama, you know, was was right back in position to win that game there at the end. Um, but, yeah, man, it was a great game. If anything, it, it just kind of uh, really put – I mean, Hooker was already on the map. Him and Hooker was already on the map, but – um, I think him just being able to take the team on the field at the end of the game and like really lead lead them on a you know game winning type drive, um, you know that's gonna do a lot for his confidence and and that just put his you know stamp on college football for this season for sure. So um, I think yeah he's definitely got to be the favorite in the Heisman race as of right now, um, in my opinion. Um, so yeah man, it's a big game for him and and really just just Tennessee as a school and and for that culture you know period. Um, you know, it's been a while since uh, we've seen Tennessee get a big win like this and, and just be able to be in, in real competition for that, you know, SEC's title, or SEC title in general. Um, so, yeah, man, it was, it was a great game. It's funny. I was thinking about this. It's like now we know that, that, that what is it, the day that Johnny – I forgot what we call that game, but whenever Johnny Menzel goes to Alabama, I'm trying yeah. to what everybody calls it, uh, the, the game that Johnny – I forgot what it's called. But yeah. it was, it was kind of like that moment. Like people that like, oh Johnny's nice such and such, but then he goes to Alabama and beats him. It's like oh no no he's yeah. really one of them ones. And especially because at this point now, although Bryce Young was coming off in, an injury, he beats him head to head. So yeah. it almost he is like as we know Bryce Young is an elite player and he did about all he could do. He took some major shots, especially coming yeah. off an injury. 
I don't want to say he replaces Bryce Young in the Heisman race, but now, in my opinion, you look at C.J. Stroud, and uh, you know Bryce Young is the elite talent, but you look at C.J. Stroud still undefeated, looking at potentially taking his team to the – no, actually, they didn't go to the playoff last year. It's crazy to think about that. But you yeah. look at C.J. Stroud, and I think now I think Hendon Hooker. And the thing that's, I guess, kind of nice for him is you kind of control your own destiny. So right. um, yeah. Tennessee, and just to let y'all know, Tennessee did get the win, final score 52-49. Hidden, hidden hooker, like I know he's much faster than Jameis Winston. Like, uh, like that's even not, and he, you know, whatever, whatever. But he runs kind of furious. Like, yeah. like some of these quarterbacks, like Bryce Young, just are just like real, real smooth, and they just slide out the way and they go get their yards. Hidden yeah. hooker gets going, like he's like about to throw <laughs> this thing up, and he takes off yeah. running. He had a seven, what is, do fifty six yards on the ground, uh, fourteen rushes. Uh, big day in the air, 21 for 30, 385 yards, five touchdowns and one interception. And the talent, Jalen Hyatt, we were all thinking like Jalen Hyatt, you know, keep the touchdown streak going. Man has six catches for 207 yards and five touchdowns. <laughs> Could you please explain to people? Because they kind of were talking about a little bit during the game about how he was able to continuously get open. Can, yeah. can you explain that a little bit better? Well, just how he keeps finding himself open? Yeah, like he kept like he he was like okay. Let's say he had six receptions, five of which are for touchdowns. Oh and, yeah. And so yeah. most common people would say, "Well, Alabama, just key in on this guy." But do you have like a better? I was hoping you could like offer better understanding to the audience of why it wasn't just that simple. Oh, uh, I mean, the first reason I could say is, I mean, at the end of the day, you can you know talk all you want, scheme all you want, but like at the end of the day, the guy's got to go out there and do it. Um, I mean, it's not like every single one of you passes he was just. I mean, you know, just wide open, uh, you know, running down the field. I mean, you know, he consistently has to be guys. Um, and, you know, Alabama's one of them teams. They're not just going to, you know, sag off, you know, all day and just kind of, you know, let you think and dunk, do whatever you want to do. I mean, them corners going to come up, you know, put hands on you. They're going to play man. Um, you know, they're going to be locked up on you, uh, you know, as much as you can. So, um, really, you got to give credit to, to, to Hyatt, number one, for, for, you know, being able to find himself open that many times when, you know, I mean, pretty much I, coming into the game, you already keyed on them just because, like you said, you got the, you know, whole touchdown streak going. But once that game starts and not just one time, but, you know, after that second touchdown, it's like, oh, we got to put a stop to this. Right, So right. to even, you know, continue through that and to score three more after that, um, you got to give Hyatt that credit um, just for, like I said, finding way number one. But then uh, second way um, – scheme you know Tennessee was finding a lot of good ways to scheme him open uh, they know his strengths you know they don't really try to you know it's not like Bama was coming to town and they're like all right we're gonna try and turn him into you know a guy who catches you know 10 balls for you know five yards of catch or something like we're gonna you know stay true to, to you know his strengths and throw him that deep ball let him go get it let him outrun guys um, and I think the third reason is honestly just probably like the pride of Alabama and, and, and Saban and, and whoever's calling that defense over there and it's um yeah, I, I think I, you know, we see that a lot in football more than we realize. Um, you know, just pride of, or I don't want to necessarily say pride, but you don't want to instill in your DBs and your secondary that you don't have faith in them. So you don't want to start calling, you know, to, to shoot down the confidence. You don't want to start calling all these soft coverages and stuff that's going, you know, have your DB feeling like you kind of gave up on them. So part of that is a coach, you know, play it, you know, your DBs get burned, you come back to the sideline, it's like, you know, shake it off, you know, that's kind of the, the DB mindset is just shake it off, you know, next play, next drive or whatever, you know, we're going to be right back, you know, pressed up a man. So, um, yeah, really just, I think those are the biggest three things, just Hyatt and his ability um, to just, you know, keep finding himself open 
and uh, being, you know, man coverage, single coverage, double coverage, whatever it was. Tennessee, you know, being able to scheme him up, um, playing his strings, keep finding ways to get him open. And then Bama, um, not necessarily, you know, backing off of him like maybe some some thought they should have um, and kind of staying with the game plan. I don't want to say they didn't make any adjustments because you always make adjustments when guys lighten up like that. But, um, yeah, man, sometimes, sometimes this is your day too. I mean, you know, sometimes it ain't nothing you can do about it. So, yeah, I think those are definitely the three biggest things. And I think Jalen Hyatt in this game really, like, you know, he was on a lot of people's radar and whatnot, but I think he really, you know, they always say a lot of the times, like, yo, this guy made himself some money this year. It's like this right. game, it's like that is a deep ball threat. That right. is a deep ball threat. Right. It's funny. Like, we, I think we mentioned this before. And every time something like this happens from that, like, University of South Carolina, as far as, like, them not recruiting guy, oh, he blows up. <laughs> All the fan base looks. And it's like, we could have had that guy. And this guy is in your division, too. Yeah. This guy is at, and apparently there's a guy who just committed to Tennessee out of Greenville, South Carolina. And they're like, yeah. we lost another great receiver that was in-state to Tennessee. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, you got the guy, uh, Clemson, um, from Dutch Fork this past season, who's out there playing right now. Went yeah. to Clemson. And, you know, Clemson don't have no slouches out there at a wide receiver position. Went to Clemson yeah. playing day one. So, and then from what I understand about him, what's the guy's name? I know he's number zero for Clemson. Clemson zero football is a wide out. Dabble, when Dabble speaks about him, he says the one thing that's kind of interesting about him is he's like, he was ready to go as far as route running because very polished early on. You know, a lot of yeah. times guys come to, sometimes they come and play uh, college football and it's okay, there's a ways for them to go. That was like, he was ready to go. So that just kind of speaks a little bit to the development. Antonio Williams. Yeah, okay. Development going over there at, um, over there at Dutch Fort and they won state championships. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. nah. I was about to say, not because you all mad. That's, um, that's really... I think we're going to see that in, in a trend with a lot of younger receivers these days, a lot of guys coming into college, just really at the receiver position in general. Because, um, I mean, when you look on social media, just just look at these, you know, all these receiver coaches, you know, receiver pages, whatever. Um, and it's, I mean, that, that's pretty much the direction that the receiver position is going in. It's just, you know, everybody wants to have a fancy footwork, be able to, you know, make guys fall on a route, you know, um, so, yeah, I, I feel like you're going to see that a lot more guys coming because, you know, that's what they're working on when they, you know, work in the offseason, you know, working by themselves, uh, you know, whereas back in the day, you know, a guy might have just did nothing but, you know, trying to focus on his speed and catching and right. stuff like that. It's like now guys are, are focused on getting open uh, more than anything. So, yeah, I think I think that will definitely be a big trend. Like you said, you know, guys just coming into to college, um, you know, a lot more developed than what we used to. And you even have like guys like Footwork King, for example. He knows yeah. he's working with the pros, but he's like a hey, college or high school top prospect. Even you know you don't have to be a top prospect, come out here and get this work. Yep, and so you're right. really getting the same drills, you're getting exposed to it. So at that point, just re replicating it. But this yep. game it was crazy. Twenty-one-seven into the first quarter, a lot of people like didn't see like we we knew y'all were coming to play, but we didn't know y'all coming like this. Then you just yep. see Alabama steam back in this ball game. They put up yep. thirteen points in the second quarter. So at the end of at the half, it was twenty. 2028, 20, but from where it had started with that first quarter, Alabama fans were like, okay, we can breathe because at first it's yeah. looking really bad. And it just both teams just kept finding ways to score. I definitely got to give you that Alabama stat line. Bryce Young, 35 for 52, 455 yards and two touchdowns. This is coming after being injured. Yeah, um, 50 throws. Boy, that's a lot of throws. <laughs> that's a lot of throws. I remember Clemson played Pittsburgh. I did Deshaun Watson had like a sore shoulder. They didn't tell the media about it. And then uh, the next week he went to play Pitt. That was the time Clemson lost his junior year. 
And they're like, y'all don't understand uh, that many throws coming off an injury. is And so yeah. you probably didn't. You definitely were in the film room. You definitely were on the practice field, but you were probably kind of reserved that week. Yeah. It's as a heavy a load to carry. Jameer Gibbs had a good day, 24 for 103 yards. 24 carries, 103 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, the tight end for Alabama was the leading reception guy with six catches for 90 yards and one touchdown. Do you want to talk about number 80, the wide receiver for Tennessee, Ramel? I think it's Ramel Keaton. I think is how you pronounce his name. There was that guy very easily could have had almost 150 to 170 yards, yeah, because yeah. he didn't miss them on a couple throws, yeah, yeah. So, like, because he was open, he seems like he's another one of their speed guys, I guess you could say, too. It seems like both of those guys run pretty well. Uh, between yeah. him and Hyatt, but I thought about that a couple times. I'm like, there were a couple of those that really were missing this game. That this thing, uh, it would have been easy for Henry Hooker to have. I would say probably about 475 yards in there. Bags, yeah, that that was a, a, a. I think that was probably the biggest thing from Bama that I noticed. Um, aside from you know we we been spoke on there, you know you know kind of the struggles on offense, more specifically at the receiver spot. But that yeah that that secondary just did not you know, up the par, like a Bama secondary that we used to, you know, uh, you know, completely aside from the, I mean, you know, the five touchdowns speak for itself, like, golly, I mean, I don't know, we done ever seen that from a Bama secondary, um, but like you said, just, I mean, you got, you know, it just seemed like everybody was able to, to you know, find a way to get open, you know, make it contested catches, things like that, um, so yeah, man, that, that's, like I said, that was just another big thing I noticed watching that game, just Bama secondary definitely in, you know, the Bama secondary we used to, you know, having guys like Mika Fitzpatrick back there, um, Pat Sertan, you know, guys of that caliber. It's like we really don't – I feel like the only household name in that Bama secondary is Kool-Aid McKinstry, and that's just because his name is Kool-Aid. But, I mean, yeah. other than that, it's, you know, it ain't really no big, you know, big-time premier guys right there in that secondary. Yeah, that, and that speaks to – and we all know that Nick Saban is so hand-on with those DBs. Exactly, or, I don't know if you saw this that Paul Feinbaum put out, and I, it was on. I saw it on Twitter, and he was saying, you know, Paul Feinbaum. Sometimes he'd be talking, but sometimes he also had sources. And he was saying that Nick. One thing that Nick say that uh, an insiders have been kind of saying is they think that Nick Saban doesn't really like as much coaching whenever you have all the guys having the money and the NIL, because yeah. they don't quite fear him like they used to. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's now it's like, bro, like at the end of the day, you yelling at me this and that third, but you y'all put me in a collective to pay me big money to be here. It not and not yeah, and not just that, but I mean, I mean the way we see the portal moving, it's like you yell at a guy wrong, you're gonna be in the portal the next day. So I mean, I, I could definitely see where where it's you know saving kind of got to lay off a little bit and where he wouldn't, you that's know, he, he doesn't like coaching them as much. That's a, that's a really good point. You're right. Because it's like, you know, honestly, Coach, I really ain't got to deal with this. A&M just is about to give me the bag. And it already exactly. did call Jimbo. All I exactly. have to do is call Jimbo. So, y'all, so this is a great game. Clearly, by as much as we're talking about it, Tennessee, that kick. At first, when I, I – did, was that kick blocked? Did somebody get a hand on it? The one at the end? Yeah, the one at the end. No, nah, I think nah, I think it was just a dug. I think that's just how it came off his foot. I thought the same thing at first. I thought somebody tipped it or something, but no, nah, I think he just I think he just kicked it like that. And when you saw the video of it, how it like it barely went across the crowbar. Yeah. Did that make it through? The fans went crazy, tore down the goal post. Now they got donations for a new one. All type of foolishness. So great win for Tennessee. I'm sure there were a lot of top recruits at that game. And it's like, yo, this is where we're heading. Because this coach yeah. has actually been able to get it done kind of quickly. So yeah. it's like, this is where we're heading. But it, but all that's a great game moving forward. Uh, but it causes you to think. And this is this is what we're here for. 
<laughs> so Tennessee now controls their own destiny. As long as they don't slip up any, um, they, they, they're going to play Georgia. I want to say that game is at the end of, I think it might be like early November. I think it's first week of November. I think it's like November 5th. There you go, November 5th. They beat Georgia. As long as Georgia doesn't slip up, Tennessee doesn't slip up, that's the game that will determine who goes to the SEC East Championship game. Right now, looking at those two teams, and with that being said, Alabama, as long as they went out, I don't see Alabama losing another game. Uh, they'll see they'll see this uh, Tennessee team, if they, Tennessee beats uh, Georgia, they'll see them again in the SEC Championship game. So they'll get their chance back at them if that's, you know, if, as long as they went out. Both teams kind of control their own destiny. But what I'm kind of yeah. asking you about is, from watching the two teams throughout this season, Tennessee and Georgia, who do you give the upper head up to kind of this far? Oh, man, that's a tough question, man. And and the reason I say it's tough is because, like, um, I mean, we've seen – Georgia got tested, you know. I, I ain't going to say they ain't got tested. Missouri, Missouri gave them a run for their money a couple weeks ago. But, like, they came to Columbia, beat the brakes off South Carolina. Um, I feel like – first, let me answer the question. First, let me answer the question. I feel like Tennessee has the upper hand because of that offense. That offense is just – it's crazy explosive. Um, and, you know, they they can still run the ball well. Um, but, you know, that passing game is just is, – is high octane. You know, they got real – you know, they got burners on the outside, guys that can take the top off the defense. So, um, I feel like when you got offense like that, you're always in the game because it's, it's like no matter how the game's going, you can strike quick. Um, you know, strike from long distances. So that's always good. I, I feel like that's, you know, how they got the upper hand. Whereas, you know, Georgia, they're kind of more physical, um, you know, pound the ball down your throat, play action, you know, when, once that run game gets going. So it's like once they get behind, it, it's a little harder for them to claw their way back just because, you know, how the system is built. Not saying they got, you know, uh, lesser athletes than anything, but just because, you know, the system ain't really built to just take a bunch of, you know, deep shots, intermediate throws. I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is. Run the ball, run the ball, you know, play action every now and then. Um, so I give Tennessee the, the the upper hand because of that. Um, and also just Georgia's been in, in kind of a lot of, uh, well, really just Georgia ain't played a team to the caliber of Tennessee yet. I mean, Tennessee, you know, getting their real test with Alabama. I mean, that's about the best, you know, test you can ask for, especially in the kind of game it was where it's like we saw them jump out early. And it's all Bama come back. So it's like we did have to see them go through some adversity. It wasn't just smooth sailing, you know, for four quarter. Um, so, and, and, you know, Georgia's the same way. Cause like I said, Missouri, you know, they went to, to Missouri a couple weeks ago and got tried there. Um, and it was kind of the same thing as Tennessee. They were down, well, not same thing, but I know in Missouri, they were down for a lot of that game and then, you know, had to, uh, you know, kind of pull it together in the fourth and were able to pull it out. Um, but yeah. That that offense for Tennessee is just so high powered, and they can hit you so many different ways. I, I definitely think they got the the advantage in that hey, sense. And it's gonna be crazy for in that ball game on November fifth. Golly's game day will for sure be there. And I'm trying to. I'm pretty sure that game is gonna be between the Hedges and Georgia. You yeah, imagine the recruits are gonna be at that game. Oh man. But uh, one thing that you kind of have to sit there and think about, too, is it's like, okay, so we know, as we know, Nick Saban has been a defensive guy, but Kirby Smart was his defensive coordinator. Yeah. And so we remember old flashback to, remember I used to tell you, I told you all about Georgia corners, so them boys don't wear gloves. <laughs> yeah. That, that's serious. They hit hard. That's going to be a great matchup versus it'll be like strength on strength, you would say, uh, yeah. as far as um, Tennessee's offense, their defense. And then, you know, Georgia really is also probably going to depend because you pretty much think at this point Hooker's going to show up to play. 
Right. And Stetson is too, but it's like, okay, like where are we going to be at Stetson? Because you're going yeah, yeah. to play well. Because if Stetson doesn't play well, and in that game, if it doesn't have turned into the who can score the most points, Stetson yeah. doesn't play well. We've seen him sometimes in the bigger games not play quite as well, but also he's won a national championship. So it just yeah. depends what type of day he's going to have, but we'll see him have his moment there. Because I guess Stetson, you know, he seems to be like a very like calm, cool guy, but he's like, wait a minute, I'm still a pretty good quarterback yeah. myself. Don't forget, yeah. I had to walk on here the second time. So, exactly. <laughs> well, the first yeah, time. Yeah, that trip. Yeah, that trip always gonna be on his shoulder. Absolutely. So that's gonna be exciting to watch. Uh, let's see. So Tennessee this week. Let's take a look. They will buy it. I know. I know if them their fan base is like, please give us a buy. But no, they got. Yeah, it's almost like a buy. They got uh, you Tennessee Martin. Yeah. Yeah, that lined up perfect. <laughs> that line of burden for them boys. Yeah, it's like, okay, I don't think they're going to experience like a trap game type situation. But then uh, next week they got Kentucky. And I, I'm thinking. Ooh, yeah, that's, yeah. Now that, I was about to say, that's, yeah, not because you all mad, but I already know that's, I already know how, you know, Coach Brewer for Tennessee is going to be talking to them guys. And it's kind of, it's kind of contradiction when coaches do it, when coaches come in and it's like, all right, you know, let's not look forward, let's not look ahead. You know, you know, take it week to week, game to game. When it's like you saying that, it's essentially like letting your players know. You know, yeah. we know everybody eyes on this Georgia game, but nah, that that Kentucky game, they definitely have to watch that one um, before they go to Georgia. Because I mean, now, now Tennessee, you know, them flip the script. They got the target on their back now. You knock off a team like Bama, it's like okay, we done showing the nation we for real now. So uh, I know it's cliche, but they're gonna get everybody's best shot now, even. Even UT Martin, I'm sure their coaches preach it to them. Like, guys, they, you know, coming off a big win, you know, might come out a little flat. You know, we jump out on them early. We got a chance. So, yeah, I think even this week, they can't come into this week sleeping. Um, I feel like it definitely could be a trap game because, I mean, teams tend to come out and, and are just kind of going through the motions coming off a big win like this because, I mean, you go from beating Alabama and then, you you know, you got UT Martin the next week. It's, it's kind of like, I mean, come on now. Like, you know, you just feel like you just, you know, step out on the field and it's a dub. Um, so yeah, man, that's yeah, it, it yeah. I, I'm gonna just be interested to see how Tennessee hold up these next couple weeks because, yeah, like that, that Kentucky game, that, that's still a big game for sure before that Georgia game. And this is what you talk about playing in the SEC, right? So you got the Tennessee Martin this week, you know, hopefully you hope to beat them and then get the rest of your starters, maybe get some second string guys in, but then you got Kentucky, then you got Georgia. Then you got Missouri that gave Georgia problems. And these are all yeah. back to back. There are no buys in between these. Then you got South Carolina, who will be very inspired to play against I'm Eastern telling you, you know, South Georgia. Carolina going to play. Yeah, they're going to play you tough. Only team they ain't play tough is Georgia, really. No, exactly. And then after that, you got a bandy team that hasn't been playing bad this year. So yeah. that being said, it's a tough, but hey, like I said, they control their own destiny. You went out, you know, you went out, I think at this point, probably. Well, no, no, no. If both teams go in undefeated to that Tennessee-Georgia game, that's the one. But there's also a conversation that we can elaborate on it maybe next week. But it's like, so how do you do for the college football playoff committee? So Tennessee wins <laughs> out. Oh, because because then you because the way I think a lot of people think you could have Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama. Alabama wins the national. No, Alabama wins the SEC championship game, but Tennessee beat them in a regular season. You got a one loss Georgia team. Like, what do you do? It's it's really just like uh, what was that? Twenty seventeen when when Bama played Georgia in the national championship. Yeah, same situation. Because I don't think I don't think was it. Bama wasn't in the national championship that year. Georgia played all, I mean, not national championship. Georgia played all running in the SEC championship. So 
Bama, yeah, Bama didn't play in the SEC championship, and they still found their way in the playoff because Georgia ended up beating Auburn. And so I think they kind of swapped. Um, so, yeah, yeah, like you said, you know, not to get too too ahead of schedule because that playoff is far away. But, yeah, I think this this is going to be another, you know, season where people are going to be like, man, we just need to hurry up and get to that 12, that 12 team playoff. Because, man, Matt, I'm telling you, people are going to be sick if it comes down to the end of the year and there's three one-loss SEC teams. Because, I mean, what, at that point, you got to throw three of them in there. I mean, you know, no matter how much, you know, people don't like it, they say it's SEC bias or whatever. I mean, you got three SEC teams with one loss in there. Like, how you going to keep somebody out of there? And then you so. sit there and think it's like, okay, because it's kind of coming down. It's either going to be Michigan or Ohio State. They'll play uh, yep. final game. Yeah, they, yeah, they that game. Division course. Yeah. Winning that game, Big Ten Championship. You got USC. We're going to transition here. USC just took their loss. But you think USC and UCLA, UCLA still undefeated, if I'm not mistaken. So you yep. got USC, UCLA, let's say um, – Let's say UC, USC wins the Pac-12 championship, and it's like, okay, that's a one-loss SEC, and you, it's a one-loss Pac-12 team, and you're supposed to give them credit for winning the SEC, um, for winning their conference championship game. Yeah, uh, that's the whole thing in itself. Man, man, people, people, people sleep. I think Ole Miss still undefeated. Ain't no way. I, I ain't saying they gonna make some playoff push, but I'm, hey, they mess around and work themselves into that top ten, man. You, if they are, that completely caught me off guard. I just assume, nope. Yeah. Number seven team in the country? Hey, man, Lane Kiffin. That's what I'm saying, man. That, that SEC is for real this year. I don't know what that happened because we had a down couple years. I say we because, you know, Carolina fan. SEC had a down couple years, man. But then, nah, it's, it's, it's back. And, yeah, they better than ever. Nah, I'm talking, I'm talking about, about every team outside of Vanderbilt. They competing. Shout out Jackson Dart. Didn't he come from the University of Southern Cal? Yeah, yeah. He comes there with the Lane probably go, you know, Lane was a Southern Cal, but Lane knows good quarterback. So he says, hey, yeah. come down here to Ole Miss after they just let Matt Corral goes off the pro. He's leading them in the SEC West. Man, this is crazy. We're going to go yeah. to his former school, the University of Southern Cal. A lot of people, Joel Klatt was big on. He felt like this was going to be, to be the week USC fell. Yeah. One thing from watching that game. That dog on Kayla Williams is a crazy athlete. That brother is a crazy athlete. And this is the exact problem right here, what you saw in this game, when you have to depend on your offense so much. Because yep. in the defense, because we know USC, now USC does sometimes get a lot of sacks and they do get turnovers. But if you have to depend on that offense going out to score every single time, at a certain point, another team might just put one more point up than you. And, yeah. and this was a crazy scenario too, because a lot of times we frown upon going for that two-point conversion. Because if you miss it, I mean, if you don't make the two-point version, you lose the game. Utah does it, comes off with the dub. <laughs> what were your thoughts, man? Man, man, on that two-point conversion, man, when I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm in my living room screaming at the TV, man, because we done seen it a couple times in the NFL this year where coaches have went for two minutes, came at the bottom later in the game, whether they got it or not. But – in, in my opinion, man, anytime, especially – I'll say especially when you're – um, you know, the underdog in the game like this. I'm like, man, I'm trying to make that other team play. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to make it come down to no one play. Like, we really going to have to drag this thing out to the end and see who really want it. So that'd be my whole thing when it come down to that. So I was like, oh, my goodness, they really about to, you know, let this come down as one play. But, man, when they got it, it's like, it's like, you know, it, you know, make you eat your words a little bit because that's why they did it. Um, but, yeah, man, my thoughts on the game is, is, is you know, right on par with what you said. Um, you just see what happens when you when you got you know when you got to rely on your offense to win the whole game for you because when you get into them kind of shootouts, 
you know, the other team only need one or two stops, and you know, they good. So yeah, um, Utah got that. Um, I was definitely uh, locked in on that on that Jordan Addison and uh, Clark Phillips matchup. I know Clark Phillips, you know, is, is under a lot of people's radar at DB just because he go to Utah, and and you know, not many people us on the East Coast get to catch them West Coast games. Um, but man, Clark Phillips, a dog out there for Utah. He had like a three interception game earlier this year. Um, I kind of caught wind of him in the offseason. I seen a little bit of his film when he was uh, going against Drake London at USC a couple years ago when he held his own against him. And and he's a little guy um, out there at corner. You know, London's big 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guy. So once I saw that, you know, he was on my radar. Uh, so it, it was a good matchup between them. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I feel like USC is just kind of that typical. You kind of kind of give you like Oklahoma vibes. Um, you know, from when Baker and Kyle and them guys were, you yeah. know, there a couple years ago, they, you know, they can shoot it out with you. But, you know, when it comes down to, to, to make a couple stops, you know, you don't know if you can uh, necessarily rely on any defense. Cause like you said, they, they're predicated off, you know, getting sacks, you know, creating turnovers so that, you know, the other team can get behind and just, you know, be playing from behind the whole game, try to keep up with that USC offense. So, um, yeah, man, I, 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 I had a feeling USC was going to get caught at some point this year. I definitely, you know, feel like they were going to finish undefeated. Um, and, yeah, man, you, yeah, Utah, I, yeah, I, I can't say I was surprised. Um, you know, obviously Utah was going to be the underdog going into it. But, it, you know, it, it was kind of similar to that Bama-Tennessee game to me where it's like, you know, Bama might have been, uh, you know, had the upper hand or whatever. But, you know, you just kind of had that feeling like, you know, uh, Utah was going to pull it off. So, yeah, it, it was a great game, though. I'm, I'm interested to see how, um, you know, the, the committee looks at, uh, you know, Southern Cal, if, if they were able to finish the season with just that one L. Like, I wonder how much stock they'll put into it, um, being at, you know, Utah. I don't think Utah is like a – they might be ranked, but, you know, they ain't, you know, no top 10, top five teams. So, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they take that loss. Yeah, because they got that early loss in the season of Florida, and it seems like they kind of fell off some teams' radars. And I think right yeah. now they're five and two, so they have two losses. But Caleb Williams, y'all know my recipe, generally speaking, for a win is – yeah, y'all know my recipe for a win usually is, you know, you get 200-yard passer, maybe 250, 100-yard uh, rusher, and – one, maybe two. It's great to have one. Actually, I almost think you need one, but definitely if you have two 100-yard receivers, you think you're good. Caleb Williams at 25 for 42 for 381 yards and five touchdowns. That stat alone, you're like, oh, quarterback does that? Yeah. Didn't have five interceptions going to five touchdowns. You think that's a win. Travis Dye, who's been balling out there for uh, on that running back, 11 carries for 76 yards. So he's averaging almost seven yards a carry and a touchdown. Yeah. Mario Williams and these these dudes and now you just know this is just natural when it comes to Lincoln Riley offenses. Yeah. These these guys are playmakers. Mario Williams four catches for 145 yards, uh, no touchdowns. But Jordan Addison had seven catches for 106 yards and a touchdown. You look at these numbers and you think this was a win it had to be. But then, like I said before, just you have you got to be able to get stops. And I almost forgot. And me and Tom's always talking about. There's always forget something. I'm going to go real quick back to the Alabama game. The Alabama had 20, also 20 uh, penalties. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't yeah. happen to Nick Saban. And so that also kind of leads to maybe a loss, you know, yeah. especially in a, a different team's environment. But, y'all, we just yeah. had to go back there. I had to because otherwise, we and Tom's going to talk about it after the show. Like, I can't believe I forgot to say that. <laughs> but, yeah, so back to this. Playmakers from that offense are making plays just kind of ran out of time there and, I've noticed a little bit of sometimes Caleb Williams because he is such, such he is so good at extending plays. 
sometimes he gets caught up in some situations where it's like, ooh, that's, that probably should not make that move. But it's hard to tell a guy to do that whenever he does it so often and it works so much. Exactly. It's like you're kind of running backwards and then you're kind of heaving it, but it works and it works until it doesn't. But yeah, yeah so when it doesn't, it's, it's like, oh Lord, it's, yeah. It looks like you're back in high school whenever it yeah. doesn't work. But once again, whenever it's been working for him thus far, it's kind of, I'm sure it's hard to tell. But yeah, that offense is still rolling. Me personally, I think a lot of countries like me, we like really exciting football. So you see them in USC games where it's all this scoring. You see the Texas, uh, Texas almost lost this week. But generally, yeah. <laughs> generally, <laughs> generally see, I had to catch myself. Generally speaking, you see that Quinn Ewer style of throwing the ball along. Even in Alabama, it's like, man, this is exciting football. You get to see sometimes maybe they're protecting the quarterbacks. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so great. And something to think about, UCLA is still undefeated, right? Crazy to think <laughs> of. Crazy to think of. So that Pac-12, and you just seem like – it seems like right now, for the first time in a long time, college football is exciting everywhere. Thanks. I think, man, I think that, I think that Porter, I think that Porter got, I mean, I'm, you know, as much as we hate it, man, I guess you, that Porter definitely got something to do with it just because, I mean, all these guys and, you know, in new places, it's, yeah, like, like you said, man, it feel like it's, yeah, I, I can't even describe it, man. They do feel like we coming into, you know, I don't want to say like a golden era, but, you know, it's like we emerging into a new era of college football. Like, you just feel that. No, like, because literally think about this and then we'll move forward to the NFL. You go to Michigan and Ohio State in the Midwest, or you want to say that up north. Okay, cool, cool, cool. You can go to the south. You know, you got your Alabama, you got your Clemson, it's cool, cool, cool. You yeah. go to Ohio State out there in Ohio. You go over there to California, you got USC, that's exciting. UCLA might put you to sleep a little bit, but nonetheless, they're undefeated over there. You go down yeah. to Texas, you go catch Quinn Ewers. It's like, it's an exciting time for college football, which is great for the fans because. For a while there, it kind of become regional, which I'm very fond being in the South. Well, not <laughs> yeah. in the Southeast, but being born and raised in the Southeast. Yeah, yeah. I'm more than fond watching CBS and my SEC on ESPN. And well, you know, right. now that I'm a Buckeye, I graduated a little bit up north. I'm more than fond of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's better for the sport. But yeah, so that's our college football talk for today. Got to save a little bit for the NFL. First of all, I think a lot of people are calling this the new rivalry. You know, you got the Buffalo Bills, uh, Josh Allen and company, yeah. Stephon Diggs versus the Kansas City Chief with Patrick Mahomes and whoever he brings out there with. Honestly, like, I don't I, you yeah. Tyreek Hill, they still roll. Juju looking like a Juju look like a tight end a little bit on the low sometimes to me. Yeah, he just did. <laughs> he, and whenever I saw him break away, I was like, I didn't know Juju still do that like that anymore. Like, he broke away at the end of the yeah. run where he went through the tackles. But uh, a lot of people think this is like your new – we grew up on the Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. Uh, yeah. This is like that new rivalry with – the and there's a lot of elite quarterbacks throughout the league, but it's just like we've seen – we've seen the – just seen this one last year in the playoffs. Now you see yeah. the regular season. Um, Bills get the win in this one, the final score of 24-20. What were your thoughts on the game, Thomas? Man, uh, when we was uh... – you know, talking about it, you know, before the, the show started, I was thinking that same thing. I'm like, this is real deal. Like the new Brady Manning matchup. Like whenever they, these two play in each other, like no matter the circumstances, this is like, it feel like a playoff type game. Yeah. Um. So yeah, man. But um. yeah, I was, I'm in, you know, I just am continue to be impressed this season by my homes and, and, you know, not like he working with scrubs out there at receiver, but you know, you take a guy like, like Tyreek, who he's had good, you know, great rapport with, on uh, the past, you know, uh, four or five seasons um, and then go to just uh, a, a group where there's really no one, you know, standout guy. Like the, the Chiefs really don't have like, their, you know, 
number one receiver. I mean, we know it's, it's Kelsey, but, you know, he tight end. So I'm talking about, like, you know, straight bona fide receiver. Um, so, yeah, to, to, to see him operate and, and still, you know, not really, um, you know, not really, I want to say lose a step like he old, but not having, you know, setbacks and, and you know, after losing Tyreek, I'm just, I'm, I'm continue to be impressed by that for sure. Um, you know, always just, it's always fun watching Josh Allen. Josh Allen, probably my most favorite quarterback to watch right now, maybe behind Lamar. Um, but man, I, I, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. That I, I just couldn't get it over that the whole game, you know, watching it, man. I was just, I really was like just thinking about the future. Just because it's like, man, we got, Lord willing, you know, everybody stay healthy. We got so many more of these matchups um, to come. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, it, it was it was good to see it go down to the wire. You know, it did give you, you know, kind of shades of the, of the playoff game from last year with each quarterback kind of having to lead their, uh, you know, teams down the field at the end of the game. Just Mahomes, you know, ended up throwing a, an unfortunate pick. Um, but yeah, man, I, I can honestly say that's probably my biggest takeaway from the game is just, you know, Mahomes still being an operator at the level he, he you know, he's been operating at with the lack of weapons um, that he's had at his disposal. Um, and I've definitely been impressed by the Bills and and, uh, and and just the kind of the different ways, I guess, they've been able to, to spread the ball around to different guys. Um, that's something I, I definitely noticed whenever I watch the Bills. It seems like everybody who's out in that offense gets a touch in, in some way, shape, or form. Like, I think the fullback caught, like, three or four passes out the backfield. Like, yeah. that's, that's rare for a fullback to catch one or two in the game, you know, especially in the NFL we in nowadays. So, so on the fullback, catch three or four passes out the backfield. Um, Singletary, they're starting running back. I, I, I know he had to have at least, you know, four or five catches of his own out the backfield, too. Um, so, yeah, man, the Bills just do a great job of, of spreading that ball around. They got so many playmakers. They got Dalvin Cook's brother, you know, is, is their second, you know, option at, at running back. And he's, you know, like uh, these new breed of running backs where, you know, you can line them up out in the slot at receiver and, it, you know, it looks natural for them out there. So, man, the Bills definitely are looking like that that top team in the NFL, probably behind the Eagles right now. And, you know, the you know, Eagles holding a lot of weight with their undefeated record. But, Man, the Bills got, got got so many playmakers. That's all I think of whenever you know the, these two teams match up with the Chiefs and Bills. It's just you know it's gonna be a shootout. Um, it's, it's probably you know we might get that one time between these two quarterbacks, which is you know one of those drag out knockout type games. Um, but yeah, man, yeah, my biggest takeaway from it is just I'm, I'm excited to see these next matchups for years to come. I want to make sure you know I don't take it for granted because we definitely you know we was younger during that that you know Brady um, Manning era, so. Um, you know, like I said, we kind of caught the back end of that. I know a lot of those matchups, I remember them kind of being, you know, a little older. But I'm glad we get to see this, you know, from, from start to finish. So I'm excited for it. And when you talk about something I was taking on for granted, I always think about the Kobe Bryant. We're going to go back to this game in a second, but the Kobe Bryant. I remember yeah. Ryan Perry in uh, middle school being like, oh, Kobe, this and that. I'm like, okay, the uh, Lakers <laughs> are playing. Kobe's going to drop 30, probably six and five. And he's going to Yeah, just another day. Ball. Yeah, you know. Yeah. No, why am I gonna watch the game? Maybe a Christmas Day game. I could do is I go outside and then Kobe's playing, and it's like, and then now you look back, you watch the documentaries and stuff. It's like I missed that, and I missed that, and I probably wasn't doing nothing. But yeah. I was like, ah. like, like you always are privileged to that type of greatness. And now you have the John Morants and those different guys who are yeah. in their own right. It's so yeah, so many nowadays. Yeah, like yeah, like back then it was only a couple for sure. Yeah. And so you don't get to re, you know, you don't get to just oh let me cut the game on because even I think I did it one time. I was like rewatching one of the games. And I'm like, 
Yeah, you can rewatch them, but it's nothing like in that moment. Yeah, it don't hit the same. Yeah, you know it don't hit the same. Yeah. And it's crazy because I was just on Twitter the other day, and the NBA is starting tomorrow. Golden State. Man, Matt, Matt, don't get don't get me started, man. That man, what I tell you, this I hate, man. I hate that so much, man. How quick basketball comes like comes back around and like dog. I swear, I like I literally like man. It feel like this last week I was watching the finals, man. I cannot, I cannot stand how quick basketball comes. And see, we about halfway through football season, man. Football about to be out the door in about two, three months. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's about to be a, it's about to be a, no, nah, it's about to be exciting though with, with basketball and football on the same time. But yeah, oh, my, not, not to get too off, you know, topic. No, you good. If y'all, if y'all, this is an unpaid, uh, unpaid ad by YouTube TV. Cable. <laughs> this is the time. The first, I think, the first two weeks are free. Go get you some YouTube TV. This is gonna be your best value because you can watch Monday night football. You got Tuesday basketball. You know, basketball run all throughout the week. Yeah. yeah. Then you back at college football on Saturday. It's crazy. But back to your point with the Bills, man, it's crazy. It's like okay, you think Josh Allen? They might just air it out and let him run. But like you said, Devin, Devin Singletary, seventeen carries, eighty-five yards. And then, like you said, you got James Cook, too, coming from Georgia, who's uh, yeah. Dalvin's brother. Diggs, and you rarely see this. So Diggs had 10 catches for 148 yards, and other guys still ate, too. You had Gage, yeah. you had the, the touchdown, three catches, 74 yards. Dawson Knox, like you said, Devin Singletary. So as Isaiah McKenzie. So it is crazy to see there. Um, Jordan Palmer talks a lot about um, – Josh Allen, even his athletic ability now, he's like one of the most dominant quarterbacks. And you yep. can see him just take off running, hop over somebody. Like, yep. he's one of the elite passers in the league. And he a big dude. That ain't no small dude out there jumping over people. Josh Allen is big. Like, that is yeah. a big boy for real. 6'5, 250. Like, yeah. I know. I know for a fact when he's throwing them passes and as cold as it gets in Buffalo. Man, I don't even want to think about it. That thing's taking I don't even want to think though. about it. I know that thing is coming, boy. Like you said, that cold. <laughs> like the, the fact that this thing is piercing through the wind and getting where he wanted to go. If you are not looking at him and that thing is hitting you, I promise you, you're going to feel that. So, and that's also a major advantage. Probably get a real big quarterback, probably has huge hands so you can control that body. I mean, control the, uh, control ball. The, uh, the ball and the quarterback. Yeah. That's another reason I know they, Ohio State was also big on CJ Stroud because it's like, weather and and it's probably good for him to play like in Ohio especially being a guy coming from California the weather yeah. you have those huge hands the weather doesn't affect you like it was if a quarterback may have smaller hands yeah. but so Thomas a couple other topics I want to kind of just get your uh quick opinion on like when you think of it, what's the first thing you think about first thing Panthers just got Robbie Anderson from I mean, just traded Robbie Anderson to the Arizona Cardinals what are your first thoughts uh, man, I got I got to take a line from my boy, my boy Shannon Sharp. Man, he said this morning, he like Robbie Anderson ain't good enough to be considered a problem out there. So I feel like that's just that's just like taking out the trash, man. I mean, obviously you don't have to. I can't even say you got to find a, a replacement for him. That Panther receiving core is deep, like for real. Them boys got DJ Moore, Shaw Smith, Terrence Marshall ain't really been getting no burn like that this year, and we know the talent he has, Viscus and all. So they deep at receiver, so that that ain't gonna be an issue. But I got to agree with, with with Shannon Sharp. I, I feel like. Robbie Anderson ain't, ain't a big enough or ain't a good enough player to be, you know, like we we really gonna consider this an issue losing him on the team. <laughs> so apparently, according to you and Shannon, they will keep rolling. Uh, you <laughs> see that DeAndre Hopkins does return, and Hollywood Brown is now out. Uh, they they think it might be for the rest of the year. So with D Hop returning, it looks like I don't know. 
you think Robbie comes and maybe is a starter? Is him and D-Hop? Is that what you're thinking? Robbie Anderson probably going to – you probably going to have to give him about a week or two to really – because I think the Cardinals play this Thursday night. Ooh. So I, I highly doubt he'll be in the in the lineup that quickly. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll have a couple of plays for him in the game plan to where it's like, Robbie, when you're on the field, like, you know, you know, this is what the play is. And then, you know, run the play and they come out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's – yeah, that's – that's real unfortunate for Hollywood, but I mean, it's kind of not like I don't want to say perfect timing, but yeah, it's, it's perfect timing that D Hop comes back the week. You know, your your kind of replacement one, you know, who's been Hollywood this whole season gets hurt. Um, but that's good though that they were able to replace him with replace him with speed. You know, Robbie Anderson's a speedy guy, so hopefully once he gets acclimated, they can kind of pick up you know right where they left off. That time Robbie had with the with the Jets, that was a really great time for him. It seems like it kind of yeah. set a precedent for him. It's okay, this is the guy. And then yeah. so sometimes these different teams he play on, he gets lost, but he always can kind of point back at that. You with the Jets. He's like, that's the type of receiver I am. Exactly. So we're gonna keep moving there. Um the have you seen this talk about Cam Akers? Uh yeah, Rams yeah. are kind of sitting him and look seeking a trade for him. Any understanding of why? Um, I think it's just – I think he maybe doesn't feel like he can use the right way. I mean, I know um, the big topic in, the, like, the very first game of the season, that Thursday night game, Bills and Rams, um, was – I don't think he got the start. I know I know he, he got, like, minimal snaps in that game, whereas, you know, coming into the season, everybody was expecting him to be the starter. So, that just kind of goes back to what I always say. Like, we don't know what goes on in that locker room and on them sidelines. So, it's like, you know, we all, you know, thinking – you know, Cam Akers, a guy, he's going to come and start him. But, like, we don't know that product he was putting out there at practice, you know, in, in the film room, whatever. So, I feel like that's really it, – it's as simple as that kind of, you know, him and the coach next year, how to show. It's just, you know, he feels like it's time for a fresh start for him. And did you see the Deshaun Jackson, too? When you, when you Something you said made me think of. You saw Deshaun Jackson having, taking him a visit to the Ravens? Man, Deshaun Jackson need to hang it up, man. <laughs> he need to hang it on up, man. He – yeah, no, nah, he need to hang it up. Deshaun, I, yeah, no, nah, that, that that's all I can say about DJ, man. He he need to he need to ride off into the sunset. You know, nah, DJ. Because I, I think, man, Matt, I mean, come on, man, DJ ain't been DJ in years, so it's like this is the memory we gonna have him. Like people don't remember them early Eagles days, cribbing punts, you know, catching all them B balls from from Vicky McDowell. It's like this is gonna be the memory we have of DJ bouncing around from the Eagles to the Raiders, and like, come on, man, DJ just need to go ahead hanging on up. Look, look, and do you think D-Jack, now that you kind of, now that you brought it up, because it was funny, well, I'm an athlete, I think some of the guys were like, because they kind of hint at it, like, you going to keep playing, he's like, I have to get the right car, I have to get that feel, I guess he feels like he's gotten that feel now. Is he a Hall of Famer to you? Deshaun Jackson? Yeah. I'd have to look at the numbers, but I'm, being at me saying that, nah, I feel like Hall of Famer, this shouldn't even have to be, this shouldn't have to be no, I got to go back and look at the numbers. I mean, nah, 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 because nah, definitely no, definitely no. Oh. Yeah, we talking about Hall of Fame, man. You got, you got to be like, yeah, nah, 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 nah. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I mean, I need. I, I say not to cut you off, but I mean, I, I feel like if he ever was or to even come close, it'd be because of the special teams aspect. Like you mix that in with what he did as receiver, like you know he did do a lot. But I mean, even I mean, even Devin Hester found in, the, you know, he having trouble getting in the Hall of Fame. He easily by far the greatest, you know kick return or punt return that we've ever seen. So, yeah, if he having trouble, yeah, DJ ain't got a shot. Yeah, he ain't Look, got a shot. I am a, y'all. Yeah, I I've been, been, I've been, so hard, but I, man, I mean, come on, man. I've been a huge DJ fan since he was at uh, Long Beach Poly. 
Yeah. Really, I had heard of them, but and that was when y'all it was hard to catch them California games on TV. Yeah, really yeah. I was watching them at Cal. So I I've been a big D Jack fan for a long time. So for my answer, absolutely. But Thomas, <laughs> Thomas, a little bit more unbiased. Uh, take it where you want. We're gonna keep moving here real quickly. Uh, I think there's the last one I have for you. That's the last major one. Uh, also, Giants win again. What's how are the Giants continue to find success? We did not expect. As a matter of fact, most people thought Daniel Jones this was his last year. Like it's pretty yeah. much over for him, and they just keep finding a way to win. They're five and one currently. Yeah, product of good coaching, man. Uh, Brian Dable got him out there playing real well. Um, that's honestly the biggest thing I can say about that. That that's a, you know that's the big difference with a lot of these NFL teams from year to year. Um, excuse me, it's because I mean you see, you know, kind of like you said, it's I mean it's it's not really they didn't get no crazy, you know, premier guy and free agency who's gonna come turn the team around or nothing like that. It's pretty much like the same, you know, core we've been seeing for the last two three seasons. Um, so yeah, I, I think you just got to give, um, Babel credit on that coaching side, man. And, and you can just see, um, you know, by body language and his interaction with the players, like they're, they're playing for him. Like they really want to go out there and win for him. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, not just a business. We just going out here to, you know, collect the check. Like they, they, you know, they really trying to turn, you know, change that culture around up there. So yeah, I, I got to give credit to, to, uh, you know, their head coach, Brian Dave. And I think this, uh, I know he's young coach, like young in his uh, coaching career. I don't – I think this is his first season with the Giants as a head coach. Um, I might be wrong, but I think it's either one or two. So, either way, you got to give him credit for, for what he's done in, in such a short time with a team who we, you know – I think their last playoff appearance was 2016, 2017. So, I mean, you know, as of recent, they, they've been, you know, a really down franchise. So, yeah, give, yeah, tip your head off to him. I, I feel like that's where you got to, you know, I mean, the players out there doing that on the field, so you can't give him all the credit, but I feel like that's the biggest factor. Yeah, he's just been able to get the job done right now. The NFC East, which, you know, for the longest time, people have gone NFC least. Right now, you got the six and oh, yeah. looking like the best team in uh, football. You got the Giants at five and one right now. You got the Cowboys at four and two. So, the Commanders, the Washington football team, the Redskins, whatever you want to say. I'm still – I just got used to calling them the Washington football team. But somebody told me the Washington Commanders. I said, what are you talking about, hockey or something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not – it me a while to adjust to it. But they're at the back, back of that division at two and four. And right now, it's just looking at it because they're right next up. They had to mention the NFC West right now. Everybody, Everybody's three and three. You got the 49ers three and three, the Rams three and three, the Seahawks three and three, and the uh, Cardinals trailing behind the two and four. But we'll see how that division, how the Cardinals are different when Diop is back and how much of an impact. And, you know, it's been six games, but it almost don't even feel like, I don't know, it's been six games for Diop, but it almost don't feel like, wow, six games. That's almost a little bit two more games you halfway through the season. So, yeah, I think. Yeah, nah, for sure. Yeah, you you know, before the season, you're like, see, game, boy, that's true. But, yeah, like you said, now that we're here, it's like, man, it feels like, yeah, it ran right up on him. But, nah, man, I, I, I got to ask you a question before we get off here. Um, Just more more so of like a, a – so so it's a question about Lamar, right? So, you know, he got this whole little contract to shoot or whatever with the Ravens. They weren't trying to pay him. Um, You know, he just said he's going to bet on himself, you know, go out prove it this season or whatever. Um. Not necessarily a question of, of, of should you pay him or not, because, I mean, I think we all understand, like, whether you, you know, logged into the sport or not, that he deserved that money. Um, but do you think 
Okay, I'll, I'll say you put, you know, put on your GM hat real quick. If you was a GM of the Ravens, would you feel comfortable paying a guy like Lamar where his running game is um, – like that's part of what makes him so dynamic. And I'm not just saying that as like you take his legs away from him, he's not – you know, he ain't nothing. But it's like, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, goes hand-in-hand with each other. Like we, we know how scared Lamar is as a thrower. Like we've been seeing this since college. You can, you know, throw a 70-yard flick of the wrist. But you know with that, you know, him being able to run as to, you know, his dynamic as a quarterback. So my question is, like, would you feel comfortable giving him, you know, long-term extension, long-term money, knowing or or maybe, you know, knowing in, like, maybe three years, if, it, you know, leg goes out on him, you know, he, he's not going to be the same Lamar that, you know, he was when you paid him. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. I would not want to, but I would have to. Like, it's just yeah. because of when, before Lamar got there, the culture was, eh, they weren't winning like that. It's like, hit that whole team, and they're great, they have good defense users as well, but that whole team, they kind of take on his identity, plus yeah. how he plays. You kind of low-key kind of fit your whole scheme around him, and Huntley's nice, but he's not Lamar. Like, Lamar's like the one-on-one yeah. of him. The whole, like, almost the whole city has kind of moved around that Baltimore team. They love that style of play. So I think the question is always this, okay, so because if you take them out of there, what are you? And then so because you're that valuable, no, then you do have to pay him those dollars. I probably would go for a lot of money as little years as possible. So therefore, so maybe I give you like a three or four year. I'm going to give it to you guaranteed because that's what you're asking for. And now you kind of played and you kind of, by him doing that, you some could say kind of messed himself up because you kind of lost your leverage. But at the same time, Public opinion is a very important to that fan base. It's like, hey, this right. guy's willing to play and put it up for the season for the team. So right. I'm, I might be like, grip my eyes. Like, I really don't want to pay this money. Like, I might be like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think this is our best, but he's kind of forced my hand. So I give it to him. I would go more money, shorter time period, though. Yeah. Just in case some stuff don't go as planned. But I, yeah, I just, yeah. that whole, the, the whole culture of the Ravens is completely embodied him. It, it, it's just what he is. And, and he's been successful because remember when they did not have him, that was a very iffy franchise for the after the Super Bowl. Right, right. And I, I just had to ask because I was listening to a little little plug. I was watching that new Club Shay Shay interview that Shannon Sharp got up with uh, Steve Smith. Steve. And they got to talk about him for a little bit. Um, and Steve Smith was basically saying like he he feel like that offense in right for him because you know it's kind of a uh you know like power run. They do a lot of play action. Like you said, it's, it's you know based around the skill set. So it's a lot of running the ball, a lot of inside the numbers type throws where he feels like he needs to be put more in the offense, you know, that's spread out. Um, kind of like, you know, he, he basically just said like more like an offense that we see like a Joe Burrow, you know, in where he, you know, got, you know, more ability to just, you know, spread the ball out all over the field. But nah, yeah, I just had to ask that just because I feel like that that should be more the, the question of anything. Because, I mean, like I said, he, you know, clearly deserves the money, but it's like, you know, Anytime you were running quarterback, a quarterback that mobile, it's like you always got that, you know, ticking clock on your legs and, you know, how, you know, how long, you know, how much longer you got on, you know, on your legs before it's like you just strictly a, a, a pocket passing quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I, I just had to ask you that before you got about it. And I will say one thing that is working in their favor, man, oh, man, like I just mentioned, Alex Huntley, and he went to Utah, y'all. Uh, if Lamar get hurt. Man, Alex Huntley, like, because some teams you look at their backup and it's like they do not even have the same playing style. Why exactly. Is they the same? Alex Huntley 
has a very similar to Lamar. Loki, literally, if you squint your eyes and watch him, like, yo, is that? No, no, I can't be. And then after them, I think he's on the practice squad. Is the guy from Oregon? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Anthony Brown, that's his name. Anthony Brown. And let yeah. me tell y'all something. I know it's yeah, preseason. Yeah, you been out here, Anthony Brown. I, I know it's preseason because he went from Boston College. So I used to see him play Clemson yeah. all the time. Then I saw him play at yeah. Oregon a little bit. He's nice. He yeah. he is nice. So th- they probably have one of the most unique stables of quarterbacks to where it's like worst come to worst, he does get hurt. He's not happy naturally, but it's like, okay, y'all give him his money. So he's peace of mind. He'll rehab. He'll be back to mm-hmm. normal. But in the meantime, you have some guys back there that can, that can make it happen. Exactly. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then also with the league kind of going the direction they're going in. Now he is a running style quarterback. So you're going to take some licks that come with that, but they're protecting the quarterback a lot more. I think back, yeah, yeah. last week, I think I was watching the Chiefs play and they kind of just hugged Patrick Mahomes. And, yeah. They ain't even bringing them. To, yeah, man. It, yeah, we, yeah, I don't know where we headed. You know, we're gonna see some players. We're gonna see some players on the board, but uh, the way this league is heading, I don't know, Tums. I'm telling you, man, it's yeah, bro. I'm, I, I don't think it'll get as far as looking like the Pro Bowl games, you know, be looking because that's just pathetic. I mean, God literally ain't, ain't tackling, but for sure, when it comes to that quarterback, man, you, I think you're gonna see a lot more of that. Wrapping guys up, just holding them up. Cause I mean, it's I, I ain't gonna lie, they put the defensive players at a terrible disadvantage. Like you can't land on them, you can't throw them. You just, it's, yeah, it's like the only option is you sit there hugging. Yeah, everybody else free run to an extent. Yeah. Man, I hit them too high, but I hit them too low. Like um, make no sense. I was watching the Deion Sanders. Uh, what was that? Was he on? What was that one there? On Earn Your Leisure, and he was talking a little bit. Oh, I ain't watched that yet, man. I ain't watched it. Let me tell that. you something. Yeah. Yeah, if y'all listening at this point, y'all them so over me and times are talking. Y'all need to, you need to. That was a good one because he talked about some stuff on college football that you never think of. And he was talking about HBCUs. They're like, are we ready for like power five conferences? And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa we got to have fans at all these games. Exactly. We have yeah. Stuff in the place. We got to have the big boys up front. He said, we got the receivers and running backs and corners, but we got to make sure we have everything in place to go play at that level. Thomas, please do not, do not, and y'all listening, do not let another day go by, or y'all don't look, go watch that. I got, I got to hit on that. Look, I got to hit on the point you just said real quick, man. When he was talking about, because I, I, I seen him talking about it one time. He was saying the difference between Power Five and all, you know, really just the Division One, Division Two, Division Three, Power Five, you know, Group of Five, however you want to look at it. The difference is that in the trenches is the old line play. I be trying to tell people. These skill positions, anywhere you go, skill position is, is you're going to have nice receivers, you're going to have nice DBs, you're going to have nice running backs. Any college you go to, you can probably, I would have spoke on my boy Kobe had methods. Methodist could, I mean, Kobe could go compete on damn near any D1 team in the yeah. country, probably. He could go have him a good spot in that receiving court. But yeah, the biggest difference is always going to be, always going to be in them trenches, man. I, I was about to say, I had to hit on that. No, you're right. He he stressed that he said we gotta have we gotta be able to rep like okay, one come out, another one go in. We can't have it where these guys and then we fall off. And he was yeah. also on 60 minutes. I haven't listened to that one yet. Yeah. But I know he was on 60 minutes this weekend, which is major. His goal was to bring more teams to HBCUs. HBCUs are now on 60 minutes. Uh, objective complete, but he's gonna keep doing it. Excited to keep watching it. But y'all I think that's all we got for this week's episode. Thomas, another great one. I really appreciate uh. it. We're keeping it rolling, y'all. It might be some added dimension to Matt Sports House. For those who've been listening, keep listening. 
I'm looking forward to that in the near future. Tom, you got anything else? Nah, man. I, th- I think I'm all good. All right. So, all right, real quick. Real quick, because I got to go. Uh, who wins this game? Monday Night Football, 16-13. The Broncos are up over the Chargers. Uh, man, Broncos playing with their hair on fire right now, especially on defense. Man, I think I got to go with them pulling it out. You got the Broncos winning it? Yep. Well, just for the sake of the show, I'm going to say Chargers. We'll see what happens next week. Uh, <laughs> 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 Working on a weekend like usual. Way off in the deep end like usual. Niggas swear they passed us, they doing too much. Haven't done my taxes, I'm too turned up. Virgil got a paddock on my.